Benvenuti and Ciao Welcome to the 21st episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell, and I'm broadcasting many, 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 many kilometers away from the beautiful Naples. But luckily, my co-host Michele Borelli is sat in Naples right now. Michele, how the hell are you? You know very well how I am. Everyone knows how I am right now. So I'm not going to elaborate further. But hello. Who's this chipper, smiley, excitable chap on the other end of the Zoom call that I, I don't recognize? I've been hacked. I I've really hacked. think I think you've been hacked. I think there's some kind of Mark Zuckerberg metaverse. He's gone into your like DNA and your soul. And you actually do genuinely look different. Fair mm. listeners, you have to realize that there's this sparkle in Michele's eyes his skin looks brighter his hair looks healthier his beard looks even more you know cavaroscalia than usual has this got anything to do with the 17 goals that Napoli have scored since we last did a show maybe maybe who knows I think it's got everything to do you've been tweeting I've seen your tweets yeah that's true that's true I couldn't contain myself at one point, I just said, okay, no, that's it. That's uh, way too much fun. I have to, I have to share my, my emotions with the world. I usually, as people would know, I'm not very good at social media. Even personal social media, I don't really do that too much. But, you know, I've been experiencing so much joy lately with Napoli that it's not for me, it's for you. I want you to see what I see. I want you to feel what I feel. I try to record videos that no one usually sees after the game, you know, when the, obviously when the broadcast has ended. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully people like that because I really, (laughs) I really don't want to do it when I'm at the stadium. I really don't want to be with the phone in my hand. So if I do it, it's because I want, I feel like sharing what I'm seeing with all of you guys, especially away because it's, well, it's just, about two thousand of us, so it's not a much lot of appreciated. Can attend, yeah. oh, you're it's, mu- it's much appreciated. And uh, those of you that don't follow Michele on Twitter, what the hell are you doing? Get to at what is it again? What's your Twitter? What's your Twitter? Oh wow, you forgot, man! Because <laughs> you got different <laughs> ones. Your Instagram is at Get Napoli Tickets, but your Twitter is at Napoli Tickets. That's right. Yeah, I actually created another one. I don't know if I'm gonna use it. But it's just like a more personal one because I don't wanna I wanna share more, but not on the on the ticketing on the ticketing profile. So yeah, maybe I'm gonna start using the personal one. I already created it, but I really can't be bothered to share anything on it. But yeah, maybe there is demand for your thoughts. So I mean today, what because we haven't we've been away for a while. It's mostly my fault. I do apologize, everybody. It's been a it's been a hell of a start to the term for me uh, up, up here in Scotland. Um we're going to be talking, we're not going to into like loads of detail about the games themselves, but you know, you've been to quite a lot of them, right, Michele? You went to, you went to Napoli Torino, you went to Amsterdam, you didn't go to Cremonese, but I'm sure you watched it. And obviously you, you went to the Ajax game the, the other day in Naples. So really want to just hear, it's just been such an amazing period. Like I can't think of a period like this that we've had since I've been watching Napoli. It's going to be really, I just want to know what it's just been like for you. But before we do any of that, and we've also got a listener question. Um, 
This is episode number 21. What is number 21 in the Napoli Tombola? Uh, today's the day. Finally, today's the day we get dirty in the Napoli Tombola. So number 21, finally, is a femmina nuda, which is the naked woman, la donna nuda. Finally, we can get dirty. What, We've been waiting a long time for this. Huh? Why is that dirty, Michele? You know, there's nothing wrong with the naked female form. You know, artists have painted this for, for literally hundreds and hundreds of years. Why have you got to bring your filthy mind to, and, and to corrupt our innocent listeners? Because, because that's my podcast and I do whatever I want with it. If I want uh, the naked woman to be dirty, then it's going to be dirty. Okay, for you, it's a naked, dirty woman. But for me, it's like... Uh, I don't know. It's a Renaissance painting of a, no. you know. This is a football podcast, mate. We have to oh. get dirty. Come on. We can talk about culture in this podcast. People will okay. just stop listening. I will stop immediately. So, yeah, I Thank mean, you. If we've been away for a while, but we've scored 17 goals. It's been, been four games. Napoli 3, Torino 1, Ajax 1, Napoli 6, 6. Uh, Cremonese 1, Napoli 4, and then Napoli 4, Ajax 2. Absolutely, just can't, just can't believe it. I've been the busiest I've been for years, but watching this team has just brought me so much joy. Where do we start? Should we start with... Well, let's not talk... Napoli Torino was great fun. Ongisa got a couple of goals. Cavazzilia carried on being fantastic. Um, but let's just cut to the chase. You went to Amsterdam, Michele. I'm not nice. gonna. I'm not gonna talk it much longer. I'm gonna hand over to you. Like, what is it like to go to an away Champions League match? What was it like to go to this one in particular? Like, wow! Just tell us. So, what I think is that away games, Napoli away games in Champions League are probably like the the peak of like in terms of experience. Is that the absolute peak a Napoli fan can ever experience? It's hard to explain why, but it's just different. You know, like I enjoy home games, obviously, a lot. But going away, it just have a different, you have a different feeling, you know, because you, the expectations are higher and the, the anticipation is, is longer. Obviously, you have to, you spend a lot of money. You're, I think you are much more invested in the game when you go abroad to watch it because you spend a lot of money for it. You plan way in advance. You, uh, you go in a city where you are usually, let's say, like the enemy, kind of, let's say. Yeah. You are the rival anyway, but you are in, in some cities, you're not even welcome, uh, which was not the case in Amsterdam, of course. But you go there and uh, obviously you're surrounded by, by rivals, you're surrounded by rival fans. And uh, it's a place that most of the time you've never even seen before. It's just a, such a different experience, you know. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of emotions, a lot of things to consider, a lot of uh, inputs, and uh, and then obviously the game takes place, the game happens. You wake up the morning of the game, and in my case, I traveled to Napoli to Rome, and then I took a flight from Rome to Amsterdam, and uh, I started traveling. I left Napoli on Monday evening, and my flight was on Tuesday morning from Rome. So we slept in Rome and then we went to, we, we got an early flight on Tuesday. So who'd you go with? My father. 
my father, but then I met, I met some people. I met some people there. I met Daniel Bowen. Hey, Dan. Of course, I met Daniel Bowen. And I met um, uh, another couple of friends. I also got tickets for some people for this game. Um, I didn't buy the tickets. I just collected the tickets, which was an amazing experience in and of itself. I just had to... two, they had two ticket people, right? Giving out yeah. tickets. Yeah, no, they had. Yeah, I'm. I'm sad we didn't have a podcast. If we if we had a podcast the day after I queued for eight hours to get these tickets, it would have been a, a fun podcast because you were so angry, man. You sent me some messages. You were like the like the angriest I've ever seen you. No, I've seen some things in those two days which I was expecting a bad experience. There, I was expecting to maybe wait in line for like two or three hours, which is still crazy and unacceptable. Because then again. You are not buying a ticket. You are collecting a ticket you have already paid for. <laughs> and, uh, really yeah, but Napoli doesn't really doesn't care about that because Napoli doesn't even make money with these tickets. Napoli is only for Napoli is only only a problem. They have to pay people to distribute tickets which are not theirs, so they really don't care. So we wait in line. The first day I waited in line for five hours, and uh, you know the they were like five or six people managing, I mean, doing nothing, to be honest. And then two people per computer working on the distribution of tickets. And it's crazy, crazy. I waited five hours and I got only two tickets. And then I waited another four hours, three hours a day, a day later. And then I got the five tickets remaining, uh, six, six tickets. So you went to Amsterdam with, with your dad. And obviously we've been playing well. But that experience must have slightly clouded your your perhaps potential enjoyment of it. Can you remember how you felt about the game, your anticipation of it? Like, what was it like when you arrived in Amsterdam? Have you been there before? Have you seen Ajax before? Ajax, obviously, great historic club. Yeah. Connection with with Rudy Kroll, who played for both of us. What yeah. was that like? What was it like walking the streets of Amsterdam? Were you with lots of other Napoli fans, or was it mostly just you and your dad? And if you, no, it was you... was just me, my dad, and. And uh, Daniel actually, and we walked around a little bit, and we, we we then we went to the stadium together. But no, I've never been to Amsterdam. I'd never been to Amsterdam, so it was beautiful to see. It's one of the reasons why I love following Napoli in, in Europe. You know, it's an excuse to visit new cities. So yeah, no, the, the day of the game was. I always expect to lose in this kind of game. I think it's a it's a defense mechanism because it's yeah. it's it's uh, if. If I expect a win and we don't win, especially after you spend so much money and then, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things that can happen in football, in my experience, is being in a stadium where you are the minority and hearing and seeing rival fans cheering for a goal they just scored against you. It's one <laughs> of the, while you're there, so like, you feel so lonely and so sad. And then it's like 60,000 people around you just celebrating in a way that you've never seen before, you know, like shouting. It's just, just super sad. It's super sad. It, and uh, yeah, I have to get ready for that. Otherwise it becomes extremely depressing. So I went, in, I went to Amsterdam expecting Napoli to, to lose, to be honest. I, yeah. When I say that, it's not just, I fully believe when I say this stuff that Napoli is going to lose. Uh, oh, yeah. I can admit that partly is a defense mechanism and, but on the other hand, I actually, I actually don't know what to expect. We've seen Napoli play very poorly in Champions League and Europa League in the past. Usually Napoli is not very good at facing like big name opponents. 
uh, even when we had good teams, Napoli usually doesn't have the mental strength to impose their game. Also, so, coming going off good form in the league and transferring that into Europe, that's been something that we've been terrible at in, in the past too. What, um, so what was it like before? So you just, I mean, you've been to a few away games, as we've talked about on, on the show before. So what do the, the fans mostly come from Cordova at? Or is that unfair? Because in Europe, it's different, isn't it? You've got both Cordovas going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. So, so does that slightly change the atmosphere, do you think, of an away game? No, not really. No, not really. Because it's, it's, it's still one, just one person at a time launching the chance. So um, yeah. it's not that different. I think you have about maybe like 300 ultras, something like the three, 400 ultras following the team in Europe, something like that. No, it's, uh, well, I mean, we were supposed to, we always have the option to uh, gather like in a square or something when we go away in, yeah. in Europe and then the police escorts you to the stadium. I never do that. I don't, I really don't want to, I mean, you are in a city, in this city, in the away city for just two days and then you have to, well, you have to do what the police tells you to do. I mean, fortunately, it's, it's optional, so I never do that. And I, did, I didn't do it this time around. It wasn't that easy to get to the stadium because the, the trains were full, so we missed like four or five trains because they were too crowded. And it was so funny because obviously they were crowded by Ajax fans. And, uh, well, I mean, it was written in our faces that we were Napoli fans because yeah. we looked like Napoli fans. We, did, we weren't wearing anything Napoli. Because, yes. I mean, we, wouldn't want, we didn't want to take our chances. But I remember when the train stopped at our station and we didn't even attempt to board the train because it was so full. But when it stopped, a lot of Ajax fans looked at us and they were like, they were, I mean, they were mostly friendly, to be honest. But yeah, especially one guy, when the train was departing, he looked at me and then he pointed at his scarf on the Ajax, on the Ajax logo in a way that it was kind of like saying, I know who you are. I recognize that you're Napoli fans, you know, like go Ajax. It was, it was very funny. But then we ended up taking an Uber, an Uber to the to the stadium. And uh, yeah, the, fortunately, we didn't have any traffic. I was slightly late to the stadium. I don't like going that late. But yeah, yeah. I was slightly late. And uh, yeah, the whole day was just like, you know, like we were thinking about the game. The whole time. And you were feeling yeah, a bit to... nervous, a bit pessimistic. And then you got in this. So what do you remember? Anything particular about before the game? Obviously, the... The famous, which people are really beginning to notice, the Napoli screaming champions. How long before another club rips us off? Eh? Milan did it. Milan did it too now. Yeah. You know, the, it's funny because then you go, obviously, you go to the stadium and then all of a sudden you're surrounded by your people abroad. Oh, nice. and, that, and, that is, and that is very, very fun. Uh, so, yeah, with them. You know, getting inside the stadium wasn't super easy. It was kind of a long process, super slow. They were checking very carefully. They assumed that you are there to do something bad. So they checked you very carefully. They checked the tickets. A few people were with fake tickets, I think. Not a lot, but like, I think like, I, I think I saw six or seven people who were uh, thrown out of the gates. Oh, God. Because of the fake tickets. But that happens. That happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so, but after that, it was, Amazing. It was a very long, I think it was 130 steps to go all the way up to the away sections. Uh, and then it was amazing. Just amazing. One of my favorite moments is even at the stadium, the Maradona, the San Paolo, whatever, is 
when you get in and then you have to walk the steps and then you are inside the stadium and then it just opens yeah in best, front of your eyes in the world. So i love it yeah. I, mean, I will never forget i did that in, in may for the first time and uh it, yeah it's just the best feeling and it was always moving isn't it it always hits you in the kind of soul and also yeah, to think yeah, yeah. of this the uh, amsterdam arena it's a cathedral of football think of all the all the players that have worn that Ajax shirt. Although I don't actually know when that stadium was built. I don't know if it is the old stadium or not. But, um, okay, so it's that usual great feeling. You're with your people. You've got all the chance. You've got the 300 ultra people sort of taking turns to lead things. You've got the famous Champions League anthem, which Napoli Tifosi, you know, really emphasised that last thing. You're feeling a bit nervous. After nine minutes, Ajax score. It's 1-0. How does that go down amongst the away fans? And what's going on in your head at that point? In my head, it's like, okay, here we go. This is what I've been prepared for. <laughs> this is what's happening now. That was just, you know, it was, I wouldn't say it was expected, but you just take it. At the moment, you think, okay, this is going to be one of those days. You know, we had fun. It's fine. It was still a nice experience, whatever. You know, we'll try next time. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no, I mentally, I check out. After that happens, I check out because I don't want to... Ajax started the game very well. So yeah. the game very well. And uh, yeah, we were suffering at the beginning. So yeah, after that goal, which was kind of lucky as well, you know, what can you do? It's just like, you just... I gave up. Mentally, I gave up. So, okay, well. And were you and, in the minority, do you think, with the other traveling traveling fans? What was yeah, the general I, mood? Again, as I said, you know, it's, it's a super... That one of the worst feelings ever, just to see like so many people celebrating a goal you are set for, and uh, uh, it's, it's yeah, the whole the whole away section never stopped chanting. I didn't stop chanting, but yeah, you know, you kind of, I mean, we're Napoli fans, you know, when we get a goal like that, you kind of like, okay, so yeah, this is I'm used to this, so yeah, we I think mentally we we go through a process where. You know, we see something familiar. We are losing. We haven't won many games in Europe. So it's very, it's a familiar feeling, even in Europa League. So it's a very familiar feeling when you concede even a goal when in fucking, Europe. Even when Maradona played for us. I mean, we were yeah. terrible in the European Cup. Obviously, we won the UEFA Cup. But in the, in the equivalent of the Champions League, we were awful. Um, so come on, it was a while ago now, but it's, this is, we're going to be talking about this game for the rest of our lives. We're going to be, you know, when I, when you get me that job in Naples, finally, Michaela, you know, and I can, I can teach Shakespeare and football to people. Um, and we're going to be 85 years old, walking across, I don't know, Piazza, I don't know. The, what's the yeah. big one called again? The, the, um, the fucking... The, Levishito, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll be going, do you remember the Ajax match? What do you think is going to stay with you from this match? From the experience oh. of being there? So what I loved about it was um, was how, I mean, on the sports side of things, I love that the team didn't give up like I did. I love that they never stopped playing and slowly but surely they took control of the game and that was amazing to see. Um, what I will never forget is how Ajax fans stopped chanting and especially the moment when they started leaving the stadium. I think they started leaving the stadium at the 62nd minute and after the 4-1 or something like that, I don't remember, but it was, it was amazing. You know, it, they were very, very loud in the first half. They were super loud. And it's also nice to see, you know, how different fan base and support and how loud they can be. The pregame yeah, yeah. was very loud as well. They had a lot of uh, 
white flags, the whole stadium, and they were waving the flags at the rhythm with the music. It was incredible. But then, yeah, after the 3-1, it was so fun to see how... You know, they didn't know what was happening. I, I wasn't that far from the home sections. Yeah. It, was right, it was on my right, to my right. And yeah, I just saw them. I think they were looking at each other like, what, what is happening here? And I mean, all, we were doing that as well. We're like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? This is not happening. This is not happening right now. After the 3-1, especially after the 4-1, I mean, it was total disbelief. You know, we're looking at each other. We're like hugging. I hugged so many people. I don't know. Uh, just, it felt like a dream. It honestly felt like a dream. This whole month has, has been Does it still like feel a like a dream now? What do you think about the ice game? Yes. Doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. I've been reading comments online. Napoli's perfect. Napoli, best team in Europe. Everyone is scared of Napoli. It's like, okay, wait. Am I going to wake up now or what? What's yeah. happening? I can, doesn't... Yeah, I mean, I absolutely couldn't believe it. And actually, it's interesting what you say. Like, the worst feeling as an away fan is when, um, you know, the people are chanting against you. But actually, I think one of the best things about being an away fan is when you shut them up. Yeah. And it was so clear. And the atmosphere at the Amsterdam Arena is often fantastic. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. But then, yeah, they all piled out when... It was when Cavada Chile scored because... I mean, it was just such a such a kick and such a kick in the goalies. What um so yeah, I mean we're not gonna go into it. other people have gone into stuff about about the game. What um see I'm imagining it now. I'm imagining us walking across um Piazza Pleb what is it, Pleber Pleb, how do I say it? Pleb Plebescito. Yes. And we're walking out, we're 85 years old, we're talking about it, and you're saying, remember when we shut up the IX fans? And I'll be like, remember when I directed a production at um, Teatro San Carlo? Remember, yeah. we all went. And you'll be like, don't worry about that, Henry. And I'll be like, okay. And then I'll be Stop like... Stop talking about that, please. Yeah, I want to talk about <laughs> Napoli, not fucking opera. And, <laughs> and then you're going to tell me about what it was like after the game. So after, and you'll be like, remember after the game? And so what was it? Do you remember anything about afterwards? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no. The, one of, the thing about going to away games, especially in Europe, but it happens in Italy too, is that obviously after the game ends, you have to wait for the, the home sections to get empty. So everyone from the home section needs to go home and then you are allowed to leave. So you usually wait inside the away section for an hour. So you, can you imagine how bad it is after you've lost the game to yeah. see... To see home fans celebrating and leaving the stadium while they wave at you goodbye and they're leaving and then you remain in the stadium where you experience one of the worst nights of your life, obviously, sport terms, and you just wait there surrounded by sad people who have just experienced the same feelings as you and then after that you can leave and then you leave and then you go in a city you don't know surrounded by people who just celebrate in your face, one of your, your team losing... Right. And in the rain, yeah, it's 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 super bad. But but obviously, if you win, it's the exact opposite. And you win fucking six one. If you win six one, it's the exact opposite. So what happened after the game was obviously we celebrated with the team. The team came to us, and then we we kept chanting. And well, most of the stadium was already empty after the when the game ended. Fortunately, yeah. we, we still waited for an hour more or less. And uh, yeah, we just, we took that hour to process what happened because it was unbelievable. 
Who do you remember from the team? Who do you remember from the team? Anything? Who was kind of leading the team coming over and stuff like that? Or was it just the collective? Because that really seems to be a theme of the season, just how much of a collective the team is. I was very impressed by the whole midfield. I mean, so far in the season, I've been extremely impressed with the midfield. I I do think we have one of the best midfields in Europe, and uh, especially Lobotka. I'm in love with Lobotka. I love the role. I love him. I just love the role of Regista and Lobotka is just perfect. Just perfect. No, my I mean, hot after, take... Uh, yeah, go on, go on, go, go, go. My, my hot take so far, in talking to people, my hot take about Lobotka, who I truly love, is that current Lobotka is stronger and better than the best Jorginho we've ever had in Napoli. Okay. That's what I feel. That's what I, I feel. I 100% agree. I've been, I've been talking about with my friends about you know, how does this team compare to Sarri's team? And uh, for exa- especially the midfield. So I was talking about the midfield and I do think Angisa is way better than Alan. Alan was good, but Angisa is way more complete. Agreed. Jorginho and Lobotka are different players, but I do think that Lobotka is, can do more. And the thing he does are better than usually what Jorginho used to do. What Jorginho was better at was... Uh, it was much faster than Lobotka. It was in, in terms of um, thinking where to pass the ball, not physically. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was very fast. You know, he already knew, like he received the ball and he already knew where the ball was supposed to go. Lobotka is a little bit slower in that regard, but he makes up for it with uh, defensive skills because Jorginho was absolutely terrible. And teams defense. could go through him. I mean, we remember the highlights. I mean, I love Jorginho, don't get me wrong. I thought he was great. I liked his personality as well. I really thought, Obviously, he was really part of the club and, and, and the city. But there were quite a few occasions when teams could just go through him. And I don't think you can go through Lobotka because he's just like... The, when he gets that ball and he does those little circles that keeps Amazing. people away. Like a, So good. Oh, I love it. But, but when the, the team came over to the away fans in Amsterdam, do you... Again, we're 85, we're walking across Piazza de Plebiscito. What... Um, who are you going to remember from from that from when the team came up to you afterwards? Who, or do you, or are you just going to remember all of them? No, I I, can, I cannot single any of them out because they didn't come that close to be honest. And we're and the away section in Amsterdam is very far away from the pitch. It's on the second level of the stadium, so they cannot come very close. They can say goodbye from afar, and they can thank us from afar. So the whole team just came as a team to thank us and to say goodbye to us. So I will not say, you know, I remember this, this and that. The game was amazing. I think we had a very good performances from many players, but it was, again, a team result at the end of the day. So that's what really I'm going to remember. Really yeah. significant. Because you think we were talking about, um, you know, when I was there in May, it was so noticeable, wasn't it? That there was like Koulibaly taking responsibility. We talked about him, making sure that Gulan got the thing. Then Insigne was going ahead. I mean, fair enough, it was his last game. But And then there was all that stuff with Mertens afterwards un, under the stadium. You've got all these kind of individual stories that, I mean, I love as well. I don't mind the protagonist, to be honest. I don't mind that. But there just isn't that this season, is there? There just there no. really isn't. I mean... Okay, before we talk about Cremonese, I'm going to ask you, ask you a question. Have you ever felt like this as a Napoli fan since you started going to the stadium? Since like, because you've been going for what, like, yeah, many uh, years, 15, 15 years, years now? Yeah, 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 yeah 15. 
Has have you ever felt like this? If you haven't, what's the closest? Do you think that this is a a unique moment? No, I wouldn't say it's a unique moment because as of now, I mean, to be honest, we've we've been playing like this for two months, so it's way too early. You know, it's I've I've been enjoying the moment, but I'm not trying to think. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not thinking. Okay, we're gonna keep this up for the rest of the season. It's way too early, and then we can look at last season. Last season we won eight games in a row in Serie A, and then we went. It's different though. Down Have here. you had that feeling as you had it? Yeah, no, I do feel it's different, but you know, Spalletti. I don't. I'm not just saying it because of you know bad luck. As I honestly believe that. Uh, I'm honestly enjoying the moment. I've been enjoying the moment a lot, and it does feel like a dream. But I don't feel safe enough to assume that we're gonna keep this on for the rest of the season because it's. I mean, honestly, we can't keep this on for the rest of the season. Let's be honest. When I, right now, we've yeah, been yeah. winning, well, like nine games in a row. So that obviously, we're not going to be able to do it. And not just the winning rest. them, but like destroying yeah, teams. Do, exactly, well. Yeah, dominating. So uh, I, if you remember, even at the beginning of the season, when we, after we tied against Lecce, I didn't say, you know, fuck this team. I, I was actually yeah, yeah, yeah. optimistic. I said, okay, you know what? We tied, but I'm, I'm happy about what I saw. And... You know, I've been seeing this for the whole season right now. I, after Lecce, we thought against Lecce, it was a bad game, especially the first half. But the second half, was, I think, was a very good game. We have been unlucky in the second half, but we were very good. We were very solid. And what I saw in that game was that the team didn't give up. They really wanted to win, and they knew how to do that. And obviously, you can win all games, but the important part is to fight. You know, if you see the team fight then you know that you have something going on there. And there's been so much of that. So, I mean, we forget the, the Ajax game that we went behind, actually, and the, you know, and exactly as you say. But in terms of, like, if you had to distill this feeling, Michele, that you had when you were, walked out of that stadium in Amsterdam, if you had to distill it as a, as a pure emotion or a pure feeling, like, what's the closest of, that you've had as a Napoli fan of, of that? You know, for... I've, for me, it's different for me because I'm not going to stadium. It's, I'm a plastic fan, whatever. It, it was when we beat Chelsea in the Champions League. Like that for me was like, it was a real surprise. It was beating a big team. And I realizing that the whole world was watching Napoli be really good. And like, there was something that, that sort of increased the, you know, it's always good to win, isn't it? It's always good to win it. But there was the idea that the world was watching as well. It just made the whole thing feel so much more special. I don't know. Have, to, have you, if you had to just bracket away all the other stuff and just focus on the feeling that you had in Amsterdam, have you had that before? Yeah, I would say that, yeah. I've, I, when, so yeah, I remember the game that you're talking about. And obviously, I remember. That. I was there. I was, I was at the stadium for Napoli Chelsea 3-1. And I was in London for, not at the stadium, but I was in London for uh, Chelsea-Napoli. What saw I, all the players. Yeah, what I do remember about that game was that we, we won the game. We were amazing. We dominated Chelsea. We could have won 4-1 easily. Maggio missed a very easy chance at, the, at yeah. the end of the game. But the feeling was clear that we were the underdogs. The feeling was clear that we are doing much better than we, we had any any... Any, you know, we're much better than we had any reasons to be. And uh, we're playing with, with you know, with Aronica. Uh, Salvatore Aronica. Yeah, Salva, yeah, Salvatore Aronica. We're playing with Cannavaro. You know, it's 
it was it was a good team. It was, but come on, it was it wasn't a, a better team than Chelsea. That's a good and, point. Uh, so, yeah, it was like we'd kind of we kind of mugged them in the backyard rather than yeah. yeah I see what you I, mean. Yeah. I would say I would say like it's like when you read right now that Club Bruges uh, is qualified for the round of 16 Champions League. You kind of feel like, oh, wow, they did it. They're never going to do it again because yeah. that's why it's so special. But yeah, good for them. And that's yeah. how I perceived Napoli beating Chelsea was like, you know, it's like, okay, we dominated, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a kind of a miracle that we won this game. And uh, hopefully we keep the miracle on, but it's, uh, yeah, we, so this we, feels we were the clear that. underdogs. Now so it feels... feels yeah, because now we're we're dominating every day, week in, week out. We are playing so well. We're scoring so many goals, and we generally have one of the best teams in Italy. That's clear. We have, I think, again, one of the best midfields in Europe. The starters, at least, and uh, we have been playing so well. Man. We have been playing so well right now, and it's, it, I don't, I don't think it's um, it's temporary. I don't think it's luck. You can see the team is actually fighting to win these games. There's something behind it. They worked hard to come to, to arrive to this point. But I would compare this period. There was a, there's been a period in my life when I was a Napoli fan, when I actually felt even better than this. And it was last year with Sarri. Because that Sarri team, I think, was weaker than this team. But that team made you feel like you could win against anyone. That team made you feel on, omnipotent, you know. We were so so good with Sarri. That team was amazing. 12 games in a row we won, wasn't it? Yeah. We yeah, were yeah. playing so well and I loved Sarri and I still love him. I don't care. I still love him. So, yeah, that, that year I honestly believed. Yeah. That year I honestly believed that we were doing it because I mean, it was so perfect. We were playing so well. It's, it was just, it was just amazing. But we're and not... Yeah, but I mean, so how different does this feel? And are you feeling like you're you you're on the way there? Would you say? Or are you not thinking ahead? You're just in kind of enjoying the things. As no, well? to be honest, I'll be honest. I'm I'm just enjoying it. I'm not thinking about what's gonna happen tomorrow. I'm not think, thinking about. I'm still in the phase of, okay, if we win the next one, then this could be real. This could be. Real. But it's it's way too early. It's way too early. Yeah. I mean, just look at the table. We have Udinese behind us. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it's the phase of the season where, you know, you can look good and be good. But then obviously, if you want to win trophies, then you have to keep this on and keep this going for many, many months. And that's, there's, there's that's where I, yeah. How many times, how many times have we won the, how do they call it? The winter Scudetto, no, the, the, you know? the winter champions. Yeah, fuck the winter champions. Yeah, the winter I champions. Talk. I'm not going to mention it. What, yeah, um, so you see, that's that's the same. You know, like we won so many times the winter Scudetto and then nothing came of it. So it's way too early now. We have reasons to be happy, obviously, and we have reason to be optimistic, but it's and the way world is too early. And it's such a fun way. I mean, I was tweeting about this before in the sense that in some ways, and we haven't, we're still, we're not quite there yet, but this Spalletti's Napoli is doing more, I think, for the kind of global reputation of Napoli than Sarri's Napoli did. And Sarri's Napoli, it was big. I mean, it was a huge kind of, all these new fans came in because of the way that Sarri's Napoli were playing. But the fact that Napoli are reserving, that we're reserving these performances for these big games, 
there's all sorts of people. I mean, there was an article in the Daily Telegraph, which is this right-wing um, newspaper in a broadsheet newspaper that kind of affluent Tories read. It was a fucking article about Napoli. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, okay, Cremonese, we went one nil down. No, we went one nil up, and then Cremonese equalised. How did you feel on the forty seventh minute when Cremonese equalised? Um, I didn't feel too bad because honestly, it's Cremonese. I was a little bit scared about the fact that obviously the team appeared to be tired, if not physically, then mentally for sure. So that's why we struggled a lot against Cremonese. You know, there was a kind of like a fake result. You know, we won, yeah, but still, you know, like the team, we actually struggled to win that game. And, uh, but, you, but you didn't give up, or you didn't think, oh, here we go, we're going to end up losing this. No, I, I was cautiously optimistic because Cremonese was, I mean, it's honestly, it's a Serie B team. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I would have, I would have justified a tie. That's the thing. Like any, any Napoli from past years would have tied this game. Probably. That's what, that's how I felt. Um, so is this, I, what, what I'm trying to get at here is like, is, do you feel your kind of psychology as a fan beginning to evolve a little bit with this team now? Because I'm feeling that a bit like it was the first time for me as a Napoli fan for a really long time when the classic Napoli thing happened, this ridiculously unlucky goal goes in and it, it didn't bother me at all. I was like, this team is good enough just to sort this out. And that for me was very revealing. I was like, oh shit, this is like, is this what it's like to support a normal football team? Is this how like <laughs> other other fans feel about these things? But could, is that happening with you? Or are we still a little bit too much burnt for the past? Are you beginning to change how you see this team? Yeah, no, I was watching the game with my uncle. And uh, after Cremonese's goal, he said, we're going to win this game. But we are tired. This is not going to be easy. I didn't share his optimism, but I was cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Because again, we were, I do trust this team to keep playing like they, like they know how to. And uh, they did, fortunately. And uh, I wouldn't say we've been lucky. We deserve to win. But, you know, this team is good. This team is good. I don't think we've ever had so many, so many center forwards uh, as good as we have right now. You know, we have Osimen, we have Raspadori, and we have Simeone. And I honestly, yeah, and I honestly don't know who's better was the best one of them. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Again, we, started, we were amazing and uh, we didn't have anyone behind Higuain. We had fucking Gabbiadini behind Higuain and it wasn't good at all. We had, the, when, 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 um, we, we had have? to, we had no Pav, uh, Pav, Pavoletti, didn't we? Yeah, Mr. Pavoletti, Mr. Zero Goals Pavoletti, yeah. Yes. No, it was, you know, the, the team with Sari wasn't good. People forget that. We didn't have any bench at all. The, we only had Zieliski on the bench, and that's it. And it wasn't current Zieliski. It was a good player, but, you know, it wasn't... He, was still he didn't learning. win us games at all. So, yeah, after that, we didn't, we didn't have any, any good players at all. Uh, was, we had no bench. Right now, we have, you know, Angry Size is injured for two weeks, and then we have Dombele behind him. And Dombele... You know, Dombele apparently is a good player. He's actually apparently knows how to play football. And, I always uh, thought he'd be all right. He just needs some minutes and he just needs to be part of a 
you need to be in a loving environment. I think that is what's what's going on. What um okay, we've got one more game to talk about. Um then we're gonna listen to some listeners. Um so Ajax at home in your in your day job as at Snapley Tickets on Twitter. How busy was this for you? And are you noticing any change in the demographic of the people you're getting tickets for? Have we got people coming from like South Korea and Georgia and places that kind of reflect some of the players we say? Have you noticed any of that stuff? Not too much. Not too much. But yeah, no, it's been a busy game. That's been a, it's been a busy game for sure. And but I wouldn't say like I'm getting some South Korean fans. And uh, that's fun. And they obviously come for Kim. Um, what a player. Yeah, a few Mexicans. But again, it's uh, a lot of people have just been... They, they come because they're surprised by Napoli. They want to be where, where, where it's happening. You know, like we, we, right now, Napoli is, is the city where you can experience one of the best football in Europe. So people come here because of that. Um, it's very surprising to me how we're winning these games let's say, easily. But the point is that we're winning the game easily with a full stadium. If you remember last season, every time we had a full stadium, we didn't win. We lost. We, we lost against Fiorentina, I think, at home. We tied against Roma, and we, was, we, were, we had full stadiums then. Um, apparently, we weren't good at you know, managing the expectations of a full stadium last season. But this season, they don't care at all. This, this season, they... They really don't feel it. It's amazing to see. They really don't feel the the weight of the fans, and okay, they were so sold out. It was sold out. Well, the the Ajax game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, you could hear it on the TV as well. I mean, it was it was a great atmosphere. So I'm gonna. I just want to. I'm in, interested in this. The, again, this, the psychology of this this new Napoli team. So, so you said that they they block it out. So do you think it's a case of blocking it out, or do you think it's a case that they actually? like it like they actually lap it up and it fuels them do you think it's a sense of they're blocking this out and they're focusing on it or do you think it's actually giving them a lift and they're actually you know sucking up that energy because i always felt with people like insignia and stuff like that that they would just turn into like you know when a cat gets freaked out and then it's never gonna like come over to you again i always felt with insignia i mean his best season during lockdown when there were no fans in the stadium with with this team, I can't really work out if they're like super tunnel vision and they're just focused, or they're like young, new, and they're just having a fucking great time with all these fans. Yeah, no, I think it's no, I think they're just having fun. I think they block it out. I do think they're able to get the positive vibes, the positive feelings, and positive support from the fans, and uh, they. You know, like, th- let's not forget how the season started. You know, we sold so many good players, so many, some of the best players we, we had in the team went away. And uh, we definitely set the team. A lot of, like, a lot of big newspapers in Italy uh, placed Napoli uh, in, like, seventh of eighth or eighth place uh, as, a, you know, as a projection for the, for the end of the season. So this, this team, I think, started the season as, as an underdog. So they didn't. They weren't expected to do anything. They didn't. They weren't expected to win anything. They weren't expected to, you know, to be first in the, on the table. So what's happening right now is that I think it reflects the mentality of 
new and young players who really don't have anything to, um, you know, they don't have any expectation to fulfill. And that yeah. uh, you can clearly see it with Kvarek Skelia, you can clearly see it with, uh, with I think, with even with Lobotka, you know, it's, you can see well, it. He's team. almost like a new player, isn't he? Lobotka, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. We, you can see it with um, with uh, with Kim as well. You know, he plays so well, and uh, yeah, isn't no, it's it like just, he's just great? Isn't it like he's played for the club for for ten years, Kim? The way yeah. that he, you know, and when you're in the stadium, I want to ask you to, about about Kim and Kavadak Shelia from your perspective as someone who's in Kurva B watching, particularly the the Ajax game. Like with, let, let's start with Kim and then I want to move on to Kovac because he's just, I don't know, we could spend 10 hours talking about Kovac I think. But like with Kim, you mentioned right at the beginning of the season that Kim seemed to have leadership. Like he seemed to be able to command the back line and that was something that you really noticed. I think it was in the first game of the season, maybe the second game of the season because the first home game was the second game, right? Have you seen that develop? Is that stayed the same? What are you noticing about him? Because obviously when you're in the stadium, you can watch the back line quite a lot, particularly through in one of the curves. What, what, what are you learning about him? I, I do think he's developing very well. He's still learning a lot, but he's, he, he felt like from the very beginning, it seemed to me like he was a complete player. You know, like he didn't, like he felt, he fit right into the team. He's, a leader, very much like Koulibaly was, a technical leader, mostly. Um, what surprises me about him and what makes me feel secure and safe, like I think one of the best things about a player, a defending player, also the goalkeeper, is if they can give me a feeling of being safe. And that is not easy. I mean, that's very subjective for me. But, but like for, with goalkeepers, like if they're good, when they have the ball in their, on their, in their feet or like when they are trying to shoot or something, I feel safe. Like maybe they're going to concede a goal anyway, but I would be like, okay, if they conceded, it was unavoidable, you know? And with Kim, I kind of feel like that, like that. you know, I felt like that with Koulibaly as well when, we, when he defended, not when he went forward. But I felt the same. Like when, when, what surprises me is that when someone else, when one of his teammates makes a mistake in defense, He's already there. Like he knows, like he has to cover for them, and uh, he usually finds a solution. That's what I. What, that's what makes me feel safe about Kim. Is that it's he's everywhere, and uh, you know he covers for his teammates' mistakes, and that's and that's great. Um, I totally I agree. That, that's yeah. so important. That's what we want, and it's what we like. And, he, and actually, Kulubali had his moments, particularly in the last couple of years at Napoli where that feeling of security wasn't quite there. He'd be an incredibly enjoyable defender to watch, but there'd be those moments when things would go potentially rather wrong. How important is his relationship with Rachmani? Do you think that's going to be significant? Juan Jesus seemed a little bit shaky against Ajax. How much of Kim settling in do you think was down to Rachmani? He's a player that you... I get the impression you're not a huge fan of, of Rachmani. Do you think Kim will cope with these different partners now i hope so i hope so but i don't know very well ostigard because i never seen ostigard play yeah 
I mean, very, very ra- rarely. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Ramani, Rachmani, but it's it's been it's been good so far. You know, I do I do think like he's kind of a Di Lorenzo kind of player. And I'm also not a big fan of Di Lorenzo. You know, he's a player who's not quite at Napoli level, but if he's placed in a in a good structure, you know, if the team has a clear uh, idea of how to play football, then he knows what to do. That's kind of like what happened with Sarri. We mm-hmm. didn't have very good players, even in the starting eleven. We he played with the, yeah, his eye. We played with his eye. Come on, and um, but but somehow it worked. Somehow it worked. We played with Rui, and Rui wasn't as good as he's, as uh, he is now. But somehow it worked, and uh, il, somehow il it's working. Capitano. With... Exactly, exactly, yeah. So the, I I do fear the right side of our defense because that's that's been shaky. Even yesterday, they always attacked on the right side on our right side. The Lorenzo, I don't really trust the Lorenzo too much, especially in defense. When he plays forward, is better. It's not good, but it's better. But um, He's physically is a beast. He's very solid, and he doesn't make big mistakes, which is which is good enough. You know, it's good. So for now, it's good enough. And also, we don't have any replacement for for Di Lorenzo, so we have it's no choice at all. It's such yeah. a hole in the squad. Um, okay, last thing before we we listen to some listen to questions, and then we'll do the, the phrase of the week. So the whole world is in love with Cavaracchia. Everyone's watching him. There's all these highlight videos on Twitter. Everyone's there's articles in the Daily Telegraph about him. You're there watching him in the stadium. What what don't we see on TV that you're seeing in the stadium? Like if you have to no, say, it's, un- it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He he did a couple of things against Ajax which were honestly unbelievable. There were one one of the you know some of those things they really made you think. Okay, this guy, this guy is something. You no, know, he's gonna be. He's going to be one of the best players in Europe because he does things that you don't really think they're going to be successful. You don't really feel, okay, he's going to pull them off, but he, he, he often does. Not always, but he often does. And it's great. You know, it's, I don't know. Like, honestly, it's very surprising. It surprises all of us all the time when he does these things. It, like the, the small dribbles, you know, it's, it's great. He's always in the middle of, he's always involved in our uh, chances. He gets uh, fouled a lot. He gets a, the the rivals' uh, yellow cards. It's, he gets us penalties. It's it's great. It's amazing. And uh, I I don't think. Well, w- me, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's something you don't see on television. But what's surprising to me is how how much he helps in defense, mm-hmm. which is honestly is one of those things that makes a difference between a good player and a great player, because he. Even against Ajax, he made a couple of extremely good moves in defense, and that's honestly that's that's great. That's why that's the reason why Callejon played as a starter with Napoli for so many for so many yeah. years, even though you know we never really knew. I mean, you know, he was a good player, but we never really it wasn't really a champion. Let's say, but yeah. he, he worked yeah. he worked well. He was a tactical genius. And I th- I do think that's what Spalletti is working on in regards to Quarkskelia is is working very well in terms of uh, tactics. It's been highlighted how tough 
Spalletti's been with Quaraxcelia, uh, especially during the games. He's always screaming at Quaraxcelia and he's never complimenting him. I do think that's one of the... It's a very good way to manage a player with this talent, you know, you especially because I do feel sometimes that Quaraxcelia tries to dribble because, you know, he kind of does it for himself because yeah. he can. And yeah. sometimes that's not the right choice. Even if you succeed, maybe passing the ball five or ten seconds before succeeding in a useless dribbling, maybe that was the right choice. So that's where Spalletti is working and that's where he's improving. He's already improving. That's, that's what's been surprising the most uh, for me about him. That he's good, he's always been good, but he's been here for three months now and he's already improving. You can already see improvement in terms of tactics, in, ser- in terms of his decision-making. So that's, yeah. that's, that's uh, you know, that's a good feeling, good feeling for the future. Yeah, bring it on. And are the people in the stadium getting better at pronouncing his name when... Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Deschabelle... can you tell? Can you tell? You I've already actually... said it. I, yeah, I, I, I said his name three times so far. And I, yeah, it's, you have to learn it. After you, after you said his name for a few times, after a while, you know, you, can, you learn it. That's Come why on, he's... I mean, it's one of the great things about him scoring so many bloody goals is that you, yeah, you, you're getting a lot right. of practice in. Um, right. And as, as a polyglot yourself, you understand the value of, uh, of practice and repetition when, when learning a language. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what I'm like very quickly? I quite enjoy seeing how he's popping up in slightly different positions on the front line, that he's not just going down the left now. Like he popped up in, in, as, a, as a number nine a couple of points against Kremlazia um, uh, and Ajax. He's also sort of drifting out wide and you can just see teams. And Spalletti is... is, is Came up with a quite interesting quote about um, he doesn't believe in systems and formations anymore. It's about finding the space. Hmm. And, and I thought that was really interesting. And you can see that in terms of what you're saying, in terms of how he's working with Cavalacilia, um, that you can see his brain going towards space in a really, really interesting way. Can't wait to see a bit more of that. Fantastic. Well, yeah, there we go. I mean, quite experienced. Wow. I mean, you must be knackered. There's a lot to be going <laughs> for, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, people listening, if you want to ask us a question, you can just follow us on Twitter at Shadow of Vesuvio. Um, Tom Cowley, who's been a, a, a very supportive listener of the show. Um, thanks, Tom, for engaging. You can find Tom on Twitter at Tom C2312 underscore AVFC. Tom, I love you dearly. I agree with your political outlook, but you need to find a sexier handle than that on Twitter, mate. Anyway, Tom's got a question and we're going to listen to it now. Ciao, Henry. Ciao, Michele. It's, uh, it's Tom here. Still recovering from that, you know, incredible performance last night. We seem to, you know, we're playing without pressure. We're playing without that fear that we've seen from, from the Napoli teams over the years, um, just crumbling under that pressure. We, we don't seem to be doing that in the minute. We're just, they're just fearless. Um, and, and my question is, do you think right now, non-form, are Napoli the best team in Europe? Because I can't think of anyone who's playing any better. Cheers, guys. So what do you reckon, Michele? Are Napoli the best team in Europe at the moment? The answer is yes. Of course it's yes. We're the best team ever. Not the best team in Europe. <laughs> no, okay, but jokes aside, I will never say that Napoli is the best team in Europe. We are never going to make me say it. Unironically. I, I have, first of all, I have no idea because I don't really watch any other team in Europe. I don't, yeah, I can't so be bothered. 
<laughs> yeah, so honestly, I don't know how well they play. I'm going to know when and if we play them in Champions League. I only enjoyed, um, you know, Milan losing against Chelsea. I liked that. And yeah, unfortunately, that I had to see Inter going through against Barcelona. That was not, not nice. But they still but, managed uh, to slightly throw it away, which was quite satisfying. Yeah, though. yeah. But uh, yeah, Juve was yeah, very, very enjoyable. But uh, no, what, what I would say is that I find it very hard to believe that there would be there would be better midfields than what we have right now. Because I do think, our, again, I'm going to repeat that again, but I'm honestly so impressed by the combination of Zieliski, Angisa, and Lobotka. They complement each other, complement each other so well. And they are so good, but in different ways. And it's yeah. great. You know, it's, they've been playing so well together. It's, I, don't, I honestly feel it's hard to find a better midfield right now. And the midfield, having a good midfield is key to success. So yeah. I don't know if we are the best team in Europe, but, uh, well, I think we're going to... We are through to the round of 16. Let's see what happens there. If we can keep this on, you know, it's very, as, as I said, it's very early right now. So, you know, right now, maybe we are one of the best informed teams in Europe. I'm going to say that. But if we can keep this on for a couple more months, do two, three months, you know, it's obviously, it's not going to be a question anymore, clearly. Yeah. And uh, after January, we have a bunch of big games, especially at home. And we've struggled at home against, against big teams, against small teams last season and the last few seasons. Uh, in, just in January, we have uh, Juventus and Roma at home, and then we play Inter away just in one month. And then obviously in February, we have the round of 16. We have so many, like all the big games again in Serie A are at home in uh, 2023. So it's going to be super tough. It's going to be very difficult, but I do think we can be, as I said, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. If we don't get uh, plagued by injuries, because some things are already happening in that regard, in that department. And fortunately, compared to a few seasons ago, we have a longer bench, a bigger bench. But, you know, we can't keep losing one starter per week. If we keep yeah. doing that, it's going to be tough for every and that, team. And that is what is beginning to happen. We lost Rachmane and then we've lost Zambo and Gisa. Now, linked to that one. And Ossie Man left uh, before that. Yeah, but if we, lose, uh, if we lose Lobotka, it's over. It's over. I'm going to say that. If we and lose Lobotka and Di Lorenzo, yeah. And we yeah, actually don't have a huge amount of cover at the back. Art Morelli was uh, tweeting about this deal the other day. Um, now, linked to this, before we get to our Neapolitan expression of the week, uh, a question that was sent into our DMs by Stephen Ellis at Stephen Ellis724. Stephen with a V. Uh, hi, guys which in Italian is ciao ragazzi. I, I have a question for your podcast. I'd be interested in learning your thoughts on how you think the World Cup might impact the current run for Napoli. Uh, which Serie A teams do you think might be impacted more gravely, if any at all? Thanks. Enjoy your podcast. I'm very pleased to enjoy this, Stephen. Uh, thanks for your support. Um, now, again, we don't watch a whole bunch of other teams, so I think the other teams that we can't really help you with I've written an article about this for the Forza Napoli website that's run by Joe Fischetti. Hey, Joe. Um, what do you think? The big break in the middle, how that's, how's that going to play out for us? Well, I don't think we are sending too many players to the World Cup, first of all. And the ones we're sending, they're not going to be in uh, World Cup contending 
teams, let's say, because uh, I mean, I wouldn't even remember, but yeah, Poland and Mexico. Yeah, Cameron. So I don't know if Simeone is going to participate. I hope for him. I really wish he he could participate in the World Cup, Simeone, but... eh. I think it depends on Dybala's injury. Yeah. But even if he does, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a starter, obviously. I don't think he's going to play that much. So Mm. I do think that maybe... Maybe we can benefit from this World Cup in the sense that we... we, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the players. So a lot of players won't go. And uh, there be, there's been talk about uh, going in a tournée somewhere in maybe in the US or something. I have no idea. But at the end of the day, these players will train with Spalletti every day without playing any games. And that's important. It's like kind of like a new summer retreat for a lot of players, for the majority of our players. So they're going to have some holiday, I think, but not too long. And then they're going to train hard. And that's going to help us a lot we're gonna and a lot of them are new as well aren't they so that's you know it's a, they've started well but they've got this period yeah 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 nice. yeah and that, yeah a few players uh we got them at the end of the of the transfer market like Dombele or Raspadori so they never got the chance to train with the team in the summer retreat so yeah there's gonna be a good chance for them to 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 work and uh, again when we play every three days it's very hard to train players you know it's very hard to to, to get players to actually, um, you know, focus and get better on the tactical side of things. It's very hard for them to do that. And uh, I do think that Spalletti is going to work on them, work on that a lot. So yeah. maybe, maybe we're not going to be damaged, but because again, a lot of th- like our uh, contenders in Serie A, they will send a lot of players to the World Cup. So it's mm-hmm. not like we're going to be the only team sending players to the World Cup, but we are one of the things which is affected the least. And I think uh, Milan, I mean, I'm just thinking about Leal. Does Leal play for Portugal? He must do. I think um, so. Yeah. I mean, he's so important to them. And if uh, Portugal have got a chance of getting right the way through to the final, so yeah, I think perhaps. Um, nice, great. Well, thanks for that question. Um, I do look up the article I wrote where I was saying similar things with Kelly. I think we might be on the same page about this. So this is a bit of a bumper episode. So, and it's late in Naples now. So we're going to be drawing things to a close soon, but we cannot finish without a Neapolitan expression of the week. What have you got for us, Michele? I got a very nice phrase of the week. It's a phrase of the week which, which describes our moment and this, this, uh, this month we've been experiencing with Napoli. So it's ov- obviously something about happiness and something that can... Uh, also puts uh, put things in perspective because one of the things I've been thinking about in the in the past few weeks is that this is this is like a dream you know it's it's hard to enjoy so much when it's happening because you get a big win every once in a while not every week this is something we are not used to you know it's something like it honestly feels like a dream to have the whole world focused on you and the whole the whole the whole world just surprised by how dominant Napoli is. Everyone comes and they have hopes and expectations and we just demolish them. It's beautiful. I'm not used to that. I have no idea what's going on. So what I've been thinking lately, even at the stadium, is like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to try to make sense of this. I'm just going to enjoy the moment because we, we, God knows we've had very bad years in the last two, three years. The Ancelotti era has been a disaster. 
Gattuso, I didn't like that. And even last season, you know, we weren't too happy about how the season, yeah, how how the season ended. So we come from very fresh, sad times. And what's happening right now is is the startup is like a ten out of ten season so far. So the phrase of the week is "a vita and a facciata finesse." I repeat, "a vita and a facciata finesse." In English, it would be life. Oh, how do I translate that? I don't know. Pressure's on. Yeah. Because na facciate finesse is a Napolitan expression, which means when you, when you uh, open the windows and look outside. Okay. It's something, something you do, obviously, quickly. It's something you do to experience what's going on outside your house, but it's, something that is temporary something that doesn't take much time at all it's something that vanishes it's just a moment in your day and then it goes away so life is the opening of a window it's, or like... it's, it's the moment it's kind of like the moment when you open the window and that's it okay. it's something quickly it's something quick it's something that passes it's something temporary and and the morale is that obviously you have to Enjoy that while it lasts. I'm gonna say that it sounds more pessimistic than it is. It's not. It's so Neapolitan. I love it. Not, Even when it, something's trying to be like you know positive, it's still a little tinge of pessimism going on. Yeah, was it supposed to be pessimistic? To be honest, it's kind of like a a happy phrase. Supposed to be a happy phrase because it's meant to. It's meant to make you feel like you know when good things are happening, don't take them for granted and and, and enjoy them yeah. because life is. Not long at all. And uh, our sports life has not been full with happiness and success. Right now it is. So let's enjoy that. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that because I think it's going to end. Obviously, we, we can keep this up like that. We, we can keep the, the season positive, but not like that. But just to enjoy it, like I've been seeing, I'm seeing some people starting fights with the Napoli fans. It's like, mate, just reel it in and have a fucking good time. It's like, yeah. Yeah, open the window. Um, I love it. And I like how it's not just like let in a breath of fresh air. It's the actual sort of little micro moment of just catching the world. I love it. It's very, very hard to translate. I didn't anticipate how hard it would be to translate, to be honest. It's a very idiomatic phrase in Napolitan. So, yeah, it's kind of but hard. But that's good. And that's the key. The more I speak in Italian, and I had got my hair cut in, in Italy. Um, and I can tell. I did it in Italian. And the key, isn't it, is to not be thinking in the, you're not translating yourself out of a language into a new one. The more you can try to just think in the language, because you can't literally translate one thing into another, can you, with all languages? Yeah. And I'm going to say one thing about the Napolitan language, which I learned very uh, late in my life. I, it's one of the things that you read about it and then you say, oh, wait, is that true? And then it is. Uh, and it's that Napolitan, the Napolitan language doesn't have any future tense for verbs. Like if you wanna, if you wanna conjugate a verb in in a future tense, you can do that. There is no way to do that. There's no grammatical way to do that. And uh, I think that that says a lot about you know Napoli and Napolitans in general. There are many many ways to talk about the past. There are many ways, even like the ancient past. You know, like a lot of like you can actually conjugate in in, in past tenses. Present, yeah. there is a way, obviously, to talk about 
present, but there is no way to talk about the future. You can, you can use verbs in a future, like in a sentence which talks about the future, but the verb itself is going to be in, at the present, you know, just a present tense. And that says a lot. One of the things that I never noticed until like five or six years ago, I was like, wait, really? And then I surprised some friends like, okay, translate this phrase from Italian to, to Napolitan. And they say, yeah, sure, easy. And then they don't know how to do that. It's like, oh, wait, what? So yeah, I do think, I do think that it says a lot about the Neapolitan mentality of living in the present, to be honest. It, maybe it's also because a lot of people in the past weren't able to look past two or three days, you know, like in terms of you know, financial possibilities. But, you know, you know, our language is designed to make us enjoy the present, make us think about the present and not think too much about the future. So, you know, let's That's- do that. That is so interesting. And, the, you know, the old idiom is true that language is culture and culture is language, you know. And so, yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like we're having a seminar, but that, I think that's great. Um, thanks so much, Michele. I'll let you, you go off and do what you're going to be doing on your Friday night. Um, yeah. So listeners, follow Michele on at Napoli Tickets and keep your eye out for maybe... Um, Michele's arrival, much like a debutante arriving at a ball in the 1950s, <laughs> um, maybe in Michele's personal Twitter account, he will he will arrive um, like a debutante. You can find me <laughs> at Henry Bell Calcio. Uh, please follow the podcast there at uh, Shadow of Vesuvio um, and spread the word about the show. This is part of the Far From Vesuvius podcast network. Do check out the Napoli Rant. Do check out From End to I. Do check out Ken and Marco. They're back on the scene. Great to have you back, ragazzi. And stay safe and enjoy Napoli. Forza Napoli. Sempre. Sempre.